1: We are, we are, we are cultivate, 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 cultivate. Cultivate. We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stangle. Hello.
2: Hi. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Sunday. Technically Wednesday, by the time you hear this. (laughs) Yes. And Tuesday, if you're cool. You've traveled to the past. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I apologize up front if my... Boy, sounds weird. The allergies have attacked my face pretty hard this past yeah, week. Yeah, the wind
2: is insane. It's yeah. blowing all sorts of stuff in the area.
1: Yeah. I feel like I have, like, the flu. Like, my head hurts. My body oh. hurts. I kind of just want to die, but... Don't do that. I may also just go take a nap after this, so... Yeah. Anyway, we are continuing Pride Month, and... I decided to abuse myself this week by doing a French story. Okay. <laughs> the language that I am the best at. We, oui. I like what you did there. <laughs> this week, we're going to be discussing Chevalier Dion. Okay. I like how you have no idea who I'm talking about. No idea. That makes this yeah. interesting. Okay, perfect. Yep. Information was pulled from the following sources. 2022 Museum Hack article by Alex Johnson, 2021 Art UK article by Lydia Figgs, 2021 Pink News article by Emma Powis-Maurice, 2018 Them article by Hugh Ryan, 2016 Atlas Obscura article by Linda Rodriguez-McRobbie, The British Museum, History UK, and Wikipedia. Nice. And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello. We're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes or over on our link tree to get started today. Just as a heads up, to eliminate confusion during the story, I am going to be referring to Chevalier Dion with the gender neutral pronouns of they, them, their. Okay. So I will mention at certain points when those genders change, but for the sake of consistency, I'm going to be using the they, them, their pronouns. Got it. Okay, this is a long one. <laughs> Charles Genevieve Louis-Auguste-André-Timothée Dion de Beaumont, or Charlotte Genevieve Louise auguste andrea timothee Dion de Beaumont, was born on October 5th, 1728, at the Hotel Duse in Tonnerre, France. That is quite the name yep goodness Mm -hmm. this area is also known as burgundy
2: okay is the line for the birth certificate long enough for that i think this is back when they still had like the rolls yeah so like i
1: think there's just one name per line yeah used a 72 point font (laughs)
2: for, yeah. <laughs> I Thank God they the didn't scroll. have to go through the ITBS and <laughs> <laughs> <They're like, laughs> ri- write their name and fill in the dot for every letter.
1: <laughs> I need two of these forms, please.
2: Right. I need two of these forms.
1: Just for my name. And time. <laughs> yep. Born into a poor French noble family, their father, Louis Dion de Beaumont, was an attorney, while their mother, François de Charenton, was the daughter of a commissioner general
2: okay that makes i was like a poor noble family like how is that a thing you would think that they would at least be middle class yeah but upper middle class if it was her family that had the prestige more than he did Mm -hmm. that would make more sense yep got it
1: because ladies don't mean much of anything in the 18th century Nope, ladies don't inherit
2: power the same way. Nope. If at all. Yep. History. Am I right? <laughs> Not too far still, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway, you digress. I anyway, digress.
1: Yes. There has been a lot of conflict over the years regarding Dion's biological sex, but we know that they were born male and raised as a boy. Got it. As a child, they were bright and extremely intelligent, excelling in school, which they attended in France makes sense they moved to paris in 1742 graduating from law school in 1749 from the college mazarin they became a political writer and advocate for financial and social reform interesting
2: Mm -hmm. nice followed their father's footsteps for a little bit there Mm -hmm.
1: in the mid-1750s they became members of the french civil service and quickly climbed through the ranks before earning the title of secretary to the French ambassador to Russia in 1756 at the age of 28.
2: That's a turn. But mm-hmm. Okay. All yep. right.
1: Yep. Going full military, which I suppose follows a little bit in their maternal okay. grandfather's footsteps. Yeah. Right? At least that's what the story was on paper. <laughs> okay. In reality... Dion was part of an elite network of spies known as the Secret du Roi, or King's Secret, that had been established in the 1740s. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Dion had infiltrated the Russian court, with their mission being to foster good relations with Russian Empress Elizabeth.
2: Interesting. The goal
1: was to undermine the power of the infamous Habsburgs behind the scenes, with the ultimate goal being to put Prince Duconti, who was cousin to King Louis XV, onto the Polish throne so the country could be turned into a French satellite nation. Those are pretty
2: big ambitions. Yeah. <laughs> if they only knew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Okay, good try. Yeah. While in Russia, Dion
1: was introduced to the world of gender nonconformity at the metamorphosis balls
2: that the empress would hold. Okay, this is a very different Russia that currently exists. Yes. Interesting. This Mm -hmm. was a turn I was not expecting.
1: Yeah, apparently Empress Elizabeth thought that she looked best in breeches. Like it accentuated her legs much better than a floofy ball gown so okay
2: i mean yeah if you want to show off your legs Mm -hmm. absolutely check out these gams like right (laughs) and that makes sense with like the tights and stuff too because like part of it was form-fitting and she would have never been able to show her calves otherwise Mm -hmm. and if you're the empress you can do whatever the hell you want yeah unless somebody tries to kill you and succeeds then yeah Yeah. absolutely Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless there's a coup you do what you need to do yeah (laughs) Put that on a t-shirt. Put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Unless there's a coup.
1: Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. So she would hold these elaborate metamorphosis balls where people would dress as the opposite gender.
2: Cool. So for fancies. Yep. Essentially,
1: they were able to express themselves in a new way. Nice.
2: And it wasn't more like a farce. It was more of like a safe place for expression. Yep. Than, like making fun, yeah.
1: It wasn't like the whole like macaroni fashion that later took place in England where they were kind of like,
2: We're macaronis,
1: and they were mm-hmm. dressing, you know, like over the top. It wasn't like that, okay. Cool. Unfortunately, Dion's time in Russia was short lived with the start of the Seven Years' War between France and Great Britain.
2: That'll do it.
1: They were ordered to return back to France in October of 1760 where they became captain of the Dragoons in May of 1761, serving in the Battle of Wilninghausen in July of 1761.
2: Okay. That's crazy that they went from, like, being a lawyer to, like, an ambassador for another country and then a captain? Yeah. For a war? Yep. Okay. Yep. You go.
1: Dion was sent to London in 1763 to help draft the Treaty of Paris, where they were later admitted into the order of St. Louis, where they were knighted and given the title of Chevalier, or Sir, at the age of 35 on March 30th,
2: 1763. Dang. Right? So quite an illustrious life Mm -hmm. at this point. You're not even 40 yet. Yeah. But at that time, I mean, that would be like par for the course for accomplishments, I would say, giving Mm -hmm. lifespan. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Dion was appointed as the French liaison to the English court in April of 1763 with orders to investigate the coastline for potential areas that would be susceptible to French attack. Oh, man. The French. They're so cute. You have to understand that at the end of the war, France had lost its colonies in America, Mm -hmm. was literally swimming in debt. Yeah. And who could they point the finger of blame at? The, the British.
2: Yeah.
1: Just as in Russia, Dion's time in England was very brief. Apparently they were big fans of England and had
2: really expensive tastes. Ah. Yeah, and given the current debt, but their company card declined. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. They were severely reprimanded for importing too much wine. Mm. Especially considering they weren't the actual ambassador. That was a man named Count de Guerchy, a pretty incompetent and unlikable man who would take over for Dion within the year, at which point Dion would be demoted to the position of secretary.
2: Again. Mm-hmm.
1: Back to the secretary. So, within a matter of just six months, on October 4th, 1763, they were fired by the French for quote unquote insolence and told they had two weeks to return to France and were expected to arrive no later than October 19th.
2: Okay, so two options here. Go back and live a mediocre life where people are mad at you, or Hannah Montana yourself. <laughs> and have the best time in Britain. I'm a blonde now. <laughs> right. <laughs> These extensions are Magnificent.
1: Knowing that heading home would mean jail time in the Bastille the moment they landed back in France, or worse, beheading, they instead chose to stay in England. Yeah.
2: Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. To no
1: one's surprise. Right. It probably won't surprise you to learn that this didn't go over very well with King Louis XV who ordered the British to have Dion extradited back to France at once.
2: Yeah, because, you know, they're so tight. Their relationship yep. is so great. So great, besties. Yeah. Instead, the
1: British foreign minister was like, no. Nah. And they granted Dion private
2: citizenship, which allowed them to stay. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Yep. Country-to-country pettiness at its finest. Exactly. King Louis XV, understandably, was pissed,
1: and Mm -hmm. he ordered the French foreign ministry to get them back by any means necessary. Several kidnapping attempts were made, not to mention several failed arrests, when Dion chose to make a rather bold move in retaliation. Anna Montana. Anna Montana. In March of 1764... Dion published a book, but not just any book. Uh-oh. This book, Let Memoir et Negotiation, contained French state secrets, including correspondence amongst the Le Secret Duis and the monarchy, oh my God. not to mention some juicy details involving the king's mistress, Madame du Pompadour. They also included a not-so-thinly-veiled threat that if they weren't left in peace, even worse secrets would be revealed about the king himself in several more volumes.
2: That is a bold move. Yep. The ploy worked.
1: Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Not only did King Louis XV halt all attempts to bring them back to France, but they also provided them with a rather generous 12,000 lira salary, which would be... The 2015 equivalent of 101,000 euros a year. So he's just going to pay him to stay there. Yep. With the understanding that they would not divulge any more secrets about him or the French government. Got it. And the British, they ate that shit up.
2: I bet they did. (laughs) I bet they did. Because this was at a time when they were still successful before America was like, bye. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. I bet they were feeling pretty high and yep. mighty at that point. Dion
1: was an overnight sensation,
2: skyrocketing them
1: into international celebrity as a household name for their ballsy attack on the French government. That's crazy. Thus began Dion's life in exile in Britain, with the latest and greatest interest in them being what their true gender was. Mm-hmm. The interest in their birth sex was so great that official bets were taken amongst London bookies in 1771 at the London Stock Exchange, with the odds listed as 3-2 to
2: that they were born female. Were they just really androgynous looking?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. In response,
1: Dion refused to divulge the truth, and they actually had to hire bodyguards just to leave their home so they wouldn't be accosted by their rabid admirers. Dang. Okay. When King Louis XV died in 1774, his son, King Louis Sixteenth wanted to put an end to the Le secret du Roy, as well as any plots in play to invade Britain. Thus, once again, Dion posed a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. So, Pierre Beaumarchais, who represented the French government, traveled to England in 1775 to meet with Dion to negotiate their return to France, as well as the return of any documents related to their undercover work as a spy for the French monarchy. Are they all in his bathroom? (laughs) Sorry, their bathroom? (laughs) It was only after several months of discussion that Dion agreed to sign the transaction, which was an agreement that stated they would turn over all the papers they collected related to their espionage if the king agreed to pay off their debts and continue to pay their pension. That was a pension? That's quite the pension. hmm Not only that, but they wished to be formally recognized in France as a woman.
2: Okay. So this is the first time we've heard that they had an opinion on their pronouns. hmm Interesting.
1: Okay. And it was only at this point that Dion finally revealed what the public had so desperately wanted to know, that they were born female and had been raised as a male to provide their father, who, quote, was desperate for a son, and quote, an heir. Because as you know, females can't inherit. Right. On July 2nd, 1777, the court of King's Bench in Westminster made a formal declaration to that effect when they pronounced that, quote, she who had called herself the Chevalier Dion until that day was an individual who did not possess what the appellation man promised and that she was a virago disguised in a uniform, end quote. Essentially being like, right, this dude's a chick. Interesting. Following this formal declaration by the English monarchy, Dion negotiated their safe return to France in July of 1777 to demand that the French government also recognize them as being born female. So, on November 21st, 1777, the court of Versailles were formally introduced to Mademoiselle La Chevalier Dion after they were quote unquote reborn, following a four hour long makeover that included a powdered wig and elaborate ball gown provided by Marie Antoinette's own dressmaker, Rose Berton. Interesting. At this time, Dion was 49 years old.
2: Hmm. That's a long time to not be who you want to be. Mm -hmm. And or were born.
1: Mm -hmm. The only downside to formally declaring that they were female Was the fact that being a noblewoman in the 18th century was really fucking boring. Yeah.
2: Definitely not espionage. No. None of that going on. No jobs happening. No. In
1: 1778, when the French allied themselves with the colonists during the American Revolution, Dion petitioned the French government to be allowed to once more return to service donning their dragoon uniform to assemble an all-female battalion to fight against the British. The French government was like, why don't you go join a convent with those crazy ideas of yours?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, were they laughed out of the country? Because that's probably what they would have done during that time. Mm -hmm. Dion continued to harangue the court about
1: their desire to fight, and it ended with them being arrested and put in jail beneath the chateau of Dijon. They were released after 19 days with the promise that they would stop asking. (laughs) Right.
2: Stop nagging us. (laughs) You can't play with us. Yep. Go sit down.
1: Yep. Every other effort they made to fight was squashed, so they instead moved to their family estate in rural Tonnerre. In 1785, they returned to London, where they continued to publish as well as gather an impressive collection of feminist works nice the british welcomed them back with open arms viewing them as a heroine kind of like on the same tier as joan of arc that's kind of where they put okay it. but their life was nowhere near as impressive and extravagant as it once was fair when the french revolution broke out in 1789 dion lost their pension forcing them to sell their famous collection of books just to pay off their debts sounds about
2: right also sounds like they have a really horrible gambling problem. Yeah. Like a crippling gambling problem.
1: At this point they had what was considered the largest collection of feminist works in all of Europe. Wow. Yeah. By seventeen ninety one, Dion was in their sixties and they put on fencing exhibitions in order to make money. Do what you gotta do. In full female dress.
2: Nice. Yep. Gotta draw the crowd. Yep. A lady with a sword. What? What? In
1: 1792, Thomas Stewart, a famous painter, had Dion sit for a portrait in which they wore a full cockade hat and sported a face full of stubble. So it's one of those like trihorn mm-hmm. hats and they wore their like metal as well. Nice. Dion continued their fencing career until 1796 when they were badly injured at a tournament and forced to retire from fighting.
2: Mm.
1: Returning once more to a life of poverty, they shared a flat with an elderly widow named Mrs. Mary Cole on Millman Street in Holborn. At this point, Dion became a recluse and shut in, seeing very few people. Yeah. They also spent several months in prison for outstanding unpaid debts.
2: Yeah, that would do it.
1: Dion passed away on May 21st, 1810, at the age of 81. All told, they had lived 33 years as a woman.
2: So, not too bad. Mm -mm. I mean, almost half their life. Mm -hmm.
1: The mystique surrounding Dion didn't end with their death, however. I bet not. (laughs) Their body was examined posthumously, where doctors discovered, quote, male organs in every respect perfectly formed, end quote. But they also exhibited very feminine characteristics. One historian, Hugh Ryan, theorizes that Dion was in fact transgender, while other scholars believe it more likely they were intersex.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking intersex, too. Mm -hmm.
1: The postmortem stated, quote, an unusual roundness in the formation of limbs, end quote, and that their breast was, quote, remarkably full, end quote. Regardless, their true gender is just one component that makes up the truly fascinating person they were, both in the 18th century and today. To quote the annual register in 1781, quote, It must indeed be acknowledged that she is the most extraordinary person of the age. We have seen no one who has united so many military, political, and literary talents, end quote. Prior to their passing, Dion had written around 2,000 pages of unpublished manuscripts, which included drafts of an unpublished autobiography titled The Interests of the Chevalier Dion de Boumont. Professor Gary Cates of Pomona College, who wrote a comprehensive biography of Dion, thinks their transition to female presenting was more a moral choice than anything else. At the time of the change, as it was recognized by both Britain and France, they had re-found their Christian faith, referring to this transition as a, quote, conversion from bad boy to good girl, end quote. Hmm. In Professor Cates's words, quote, Dion believes in two things. One is that whether we live as a man or a woman is a choice that all of us have, and that women in the 18th century are living lives that are morally superior to men, and therefore, we should choose. We men should choose to live as women, End quote.
2: Interesting. And that is the life of Chevalier Dion. It's a really crazy story. hmm And it would, I mean, it would kind of make sense if they were born intersex, that their parents chose the sex that they wanted.
1: Well, and if they were born intersex, but were male-presenting at birth, it would yeah. make sense to raise them as a boy. Right. Because you don't develop breasts until later in life anyway. So
2: Right. And you don't always see ovaries and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. It nope. just causes health problems down the road if you don't Yeah. deal with them. So, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Good story. Yeah. If you're interested in ad-free
1: content, consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me a Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. Hello.
0: Hello. Hello. (laughs) Yes, that was it, that was it. It didn't sound nice. Welcome to Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow artist that I admire. Hi, Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Hi, how are you, Amanda? And ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Why do you think people are intimidated by you? What do you wish you knew like earlier in your career? Sounds scary. Yeah, it really is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of my guest's favorite drink. I made this so strong. Cheers. We're drinking gin in the morning. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom they have to offer we have to be creating on our own if we want to keep creating. Who benefits the most from me feeling shit about myself? White men. Whatever place you are in, you're allowed to like show up as you are. I wish I knew that to just follow my intuition was the right way to go about things. A lot of people don't do the things that they want to do because they're scared. Ooh. Yes. That was beautiful. I don't know why I'm waiting so long to feel like I deserve to be at the table. I should just like ask people to dinner. Oh my God. Mine didn't even pop. It's an open bar. We're drinking an open bar. I'm going to feel so good at the end of this. The Liquid Courage Podcast is available anywhere you get your podcasts. And to find out more about the show, head to liquidcouragepodcast.com.
1: This week's podcast plug is the Liquid Courage podcast. On this multi-award nominated podcast, actor Amanda Pereira interviews women and non-binary creatives in the entertainment industry that she admires, using some liquid courage to help her ask the questions she's always wanted to. Nice. And she will be on a future episode of Can You Crack the Cramp Word? Awesome. I think it comes out later this summer. I don't remember. But it's coming. It's coming. There you go. And we will have a link to her show in the show notes. And this week's listener question comes from our good friend and listener, Carrie Ann. And they want to know, what historical figure would be the most terrifying ghost to encounter?
2: Genghis Khan.
1: I was literally thinking that.
2: Yeah. Literally. So I can't imagine someone, like, if they were able able to be like a poltergeist or something like that intensive and energy it no would be thank you so scary
1: <laughs> well and like is that is this gonna be one of those type of hauntings where they like reenact things they did and you would see some of the things they did like would right. you see him in front of like, like a pile of like burning heads
2: you know what i mean like yeah. he would that kind of shit would fuck with your head real yeah, bad it would really mess you up yeah, I don't know why. It was the first one that popped in my head. I was like, I never want to see that ever in any version of haunting. Yeah. Like, whether it's just repeating a thing of history or, like, they are trying to mess with you. hmm Yeah. No thanks. Yeah.
1: So since you said him, I'm going to pick somebody mm-hmm. else. Okay. My second choice would probably be, like, Vlad the Impaler.
2: Yeah. It's kind of the same vein. I, I was also thinking maybe, what was her name, LaLaurie? Oh, Adam LaLaurie? Mm-hmm. Like, if it was a residual thing for her, too, and you saw, like, anything that she did? No, thanks. It would be horrifying.
1: I mean, I'm sure her mansion is, like, soup's haunted.
2: It like, has to be. It it has to be. So many no, traumatic, no traumatic deaths. Mm-mm. Yeah. There's a lot of emotion in that. Space. Mm-hmm. Nope. nope. Thank you. mm Not today. Not today, Satan. Not today. On that note, what's something good you'd like to share? <laughs> this weekend, I got to see the cutest little musical put on by some, uh, like, middle school children. One of the kiddos that I am around all the time uh, had a play, and it's... it's a really cool theater company idea where they rehearse for four hours for five days and then they put on a show for on like that Saturday Mm -hmm. and the things that these kids were able to accomplish in five days was so awesome and they did such a good job and they did Cinderella the musical and it was so cute. And they had, like, the mice little costumes were so cute, too. They did such a good job. So that was really good. It was really fun to go and see that and support her. So, yeah, that's my good thing. Nice. What about you?
1: We had a total of five girls sleeping over at my house, all between the ages of eight and nine. The things I heard while they were hanging out in our three season doing what eight and nine-year-old girls do, just baffled me.
2: Yeah. You forget what it's like to be at that age. Yeah. It was a whirlwind.
1: It was an experience that I probably will not repeat (laughs) ever. My youngest had a good time with her friends. So yeah, that's all that matters. And there was minimal property damage when they left.
2: There you go. All limbs were intact. Yep. It's all good. Mm -hmm. So I'm
1: going to list that as my good thing. I can't think of anything else this week. That's,
2: <laughs> that's fair. Good. A pretty good thing.
1: Yeah. On that note, shall we?
2: Mm-hmm. Looking for more content?
1: You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok, of course you are follow us at yield crime podcast a great way to support the show if you want to help us out but can't do so financially is to leave us a five-star rating and review on apple podcasts pod chaser good pods podcast addict or really wherever you can leave a rating and review if you want a playlist of all our episodes on youtube click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale. as all this crime.